0: soundly so right now our listeners get 30% off headspace's entire library of meditations just go to headspace.com sleep for 30% off your subscription but only until may 12th this is the best deal offered right now head to headspace.com sleep pod today this is a smart passive income podcast with pat flynn session number 90 ninety. 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 Episode ninety. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, on his thirty-first birthday, Pat Flynn. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Pat Flynn, and welcome to session 90 of the Smart Pacific Income Podcast. Really quick, if you know the name of the tune that I beatbox in the beginning, uh, you get brownie points. Leave me leave me a comment on Twitter, at Pat Flynn, and uh, you know, kudos to you if you know what that is. Now, it's December, which means a lot of things. It means the holiday season is here, of course, and I wish you all a safe and happy holiday season. It also means my birthday is here, and this year I'm turning the big three, one. 31 years old, which is fun because you know i don't think anything interesting happens at, at 31 uh, more importantly my son's birthday is coming up too and he'll be four coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks and it also means that the next year is right around the corner and it's interesting because you, you know whenever we talk about the new year coming we start to hear about resolutions and what our goals are for the next year and this might sound interesting but i have a lot of mixed feelings about that approach because like why do we have to wait until the new year until we start to create new goals and become ambitious? So we're always like, yeah, in, t- in 2014, I'm going to do this. This is my year. 2014 is my year to get things done. And, and the reason I have mixed feelings about this is because I think we should be thinking like this all the time, right? Like not on January 1st, but like today. Like no matter what day it is, you're listening to this. Uh, you, you know, you should remember what your goals are and create bigger goals and decide to commit to them or recommit to them Every day of the year, you know, because I, I, I know some people who are like, yeah, I'll start working on that next year or once January 1st comes around, then I'll get to it, you know, but but you should get to it now. I mean, why wait? And and, and always, why are you always being okay with putting things off? You, you're like training yourself to be okay with that and you'll just keep putting things off in the future, which is bad. But on the flip side, I, I like how when the new year comes around for all of us, it sort of resets us. You know, it's an actual specific date that in our heads gets us excited Uh, To do things that we've been putting off. So it's like, okay, what's the happy medium here? To me, I think it's sort of a mixture of the two. It's like having set dates for goals, but having them more often. You know, some companies call these sprints. And uh, myself and my team are currently you know, running a sort of sprint system in, in, in how we work and what we accomplish, which is very popular in, in, in the sort of lean startup method um, and, and agile building and startups. So w- w- what this means is like, you know, we meet every two weeks to talk about what we want to have accomplished and done by the next time we meet again, every two weeks. It's all it's it's all working toward that big goal that we have set before us. Um, you know, those big projects we want to finish, but it's chunking them down and, and completing specific things within those two week periods or two week sprints. And so far, it's been working out really well. It, it allows us to see where we're at by the end of the two weeks so we can adjust and, and adapt and pivot if we need to. And it definitely is more motivating because we're setting attainable goals with the light always at the end of the tunnel. I think that's really important, if that makes sense. So before I get to today's main content, hopefully this inspires you to set those big goals and resolutions and projects now, or or maybe it's January 1st, but of course, the sooner the better. And then from there, you know, work in two week, one week sprints or whatever you need to do, uh, whatever you feel most comfortable doing. And you're going to have to experiment with it for a little bit. And this could be for, for your business that you want to start, uh, you know, blogs and websites you want to grow. Maybe it's for fitness goals. Maybe it's for relationship goals, really whatever you want. So Just wanted to share that with you before we get started here. Now, today we have a solo show, No Guests. We had Gary Vaynerchuk on the last episode, Session 89, so definitely check that out if you have a chance. But today we're talking a little bit about my history here, more specifically, how my education and experience as an architect or an aspiring architect helped me in what I do now online, which is create online businesses and streams of passive income. Now, people often ask me, uh, when they hear my story, Pat, you went to school for architecture for five years. You you worked in that industry for several more, but now you're doing this online thing. That seems completely unrelated. Do do you feel your time in architecture was a waste of time? Has it helped you? Any is there anything you learn that you apply now in your online businesses? And it's funny because you know there is actually very little direct correlation between the actual output of work that I do or the kinds of work that I like to do, like in my office, but. Probably the only thing of that sort of nature that is that is the same, you know, in, in my experience in architecture versus what I do now, is using Photoshop. Like, when I was in architecture school at Cal, I did a bit of Photoshop work to take some of the drawings I did and created and add color to them, or Photoshop people walking through those drawings to give them some scale, you know, those sorts of things. One of my all-time favorite things to do was build models of buildings and... And then take my digital camera and actually go to ground level and put, put the camera like inside those models and in, in snap photos. Um, and it would create these really cool, lifelike looking images. And I would go into Photoshop and add materials and texture uh, to, to the ground and to the walls, and perhaps add backgrounds like cityscapes or, or, or the sky behind the buildings or through the windows. You know, you could really get a, a very photorealistic image of this thing you build with your hands it's a really cool thing to do if you want to create models with your kids i think that would be an awesome thing to do Uh, and of course when i was working i did the same thing and and these would be renderings we'd share with clients and, and that sort of thing to help sell them on sort of the proposals and design ideas that we had for the work we were doing now in online business i use photoshop a lot still so that experience did help. I know how to use the tool, but I use it in a completely different way. I don't manipulate the photos in the same way anymore, or even use photos really all that much. I take I take images and photos and add text on top of them. That's what I do a lot of. Or I size them down, uh, or or turn them into banner, you know, ads, or you know, things like that. Um, I, I make the file sizes smaller, which is important for optimizing the speed and the page load time of your site. So in all of this, you know, I was very lucky because uh, you know, I was able to quickly create, you know, I am able to quickly create images like this and resize images uh, for my blog and website and those sorts of things. Now I, I learned, what I did learn was just how important graphics are when it comes to doing online stuff. You know, Content and text is one thing. Supporting that content with nice graphics, especially now with how popular social media is and how images play a role in what gets shared, that's taking it to the next level. And if you don't have that Photoshop experience, I mean, that, that's a barrier for a lot of people, but you know, being able to create the graphics they need for their web properties. So if you're listening to this and you don't have a graphic designer with you or, or graphic designing experience, it's okay because there are a number of things you can do. I would recommend doing these things. You could hire someone. I know a lot of people who have graphic designers they work with usually on an hourly basis, you know, if they need something done, and it's usually not too often, especially after your site is up and running, you know, you need a graphic or, you know, just email this person, boom, they'll have something back for you in a little bit, whether it's a banner ad, a image for a blog post, stuff for, for your slide presentations, or whatever. You know, the, 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 there might be some people in your existing network that might be more than happy to do this kind of stuff for you. You know, I, That's where I would start. I would start with your existing network first because they're the ones that are going to better understand what your site is about and, and what you need to do. You could also hire someone for smaller projects uh, on things like Fiverr.com. That's a site, F-I-V-E-R-R.com, where you can get jobs done for $5 or for $5 increments and it's a hit or miss on there, but I know a lot of people who have had a lot of su- success on Fiverr.com. And of course, Elance and odesk.com are also there as a resource too to get some graphic design work and stuff done like that. You could perhaps get familiar with Photoshop or Photoshop-like uh, you know, programs yourself. You know, Photoshop itself is pretty expensive, although uh, recently Adobe released what they call their creative cloud which is where you can pay monthly to get access to the specific products they have including photoshop in case you don't want to spend you know the hundreds of dollars up front on the complete software suite Uh, you could get photoshop elements which is sort of a lighter version i think it's only a one-time fee for that one under a hundred dollars i think it's in the mac app store on your desktop um, and you can get it you you know you could download off of adobe and I believe that will give you exactly what you need. Um, and then you could use something like Lydia.com, L-Y-D-I-A, to learn the skills that you would need to, to use the, that program. Um, YouTube, you, you can also use YouTube to learn how to do a lot of those things. If you don't have Photoshop or want to use Photoshop or even get Photoshop Elements, there's another tool called GIMP out there which is a free open source tool that's just like photoshop on the web i'll put links to all this stuff i know i'm throwing out a bunch of links here but i'll throw out links to all this stuff in the show notes smartpassiveincome.com slash session 90 and those are some tools you can use to help you and uh, you know help yourself when it comes to you know that sort of thing and you know, it's going to it's it, it, it's not easy to do right out of the box. You're going to have to spend some time. And and I think once you use it, I mean, really, that's how you learn these things. You just use it and you figure it out. And over time, you'll just, you know, for me right now, it's second nature. But of course, I've been doing this for years. If you have the ability to hire someone or to work with somebody on your team that has that graphic designing experience, it would it, it'll help a lot. I don't want not being able to do graphics to hold you back. Um, if you want to simply shrink the file sizes of the images you have, you don't need Photoshop for that. You can do that for free at a site. Well, the, the one I use when I don't when I don't have access to uh, Photoshop is pickresize.com. That's P-I-C-R-E-Size.com. Um, you know, all you have to do is upload a picture from your computer or even put a link to a picture on the web. Uh, in there, and then specify the size you want, and then it gives you a download of that image that's usually a fraction of the size of the original. And it still looks high quality, and it, you know, it still works really well, and so that'll help you with optimizing the page load time of your site if you don't want your images to be huge, especially if you're importing these you know crazy big images from your uh, camera. Now the one thing I wanna mention before I move on is you have to be careful about the images that you actually use on your site. You can't just do a Google image search and find one that works and place it on your site. You can get in a big trouble for doing that uh, because some of those images are other people's intellectual property. And I, and I think most of them usually are when you do Google searches like that. You know, So I've actually written a complete ultimate guide to finding and using images on your website and how to do it safely, uh, which you can find, again, in the show notes. I'll link to it there, smartpassiveincome.com slash session 90. So to sum this part up, First thing I learned from the world of architecture was just how important Photoshop experience is because I, I use it almost every day now in, in my business to create logos or to create banner ads or to change things on my websites or to split test things. Um, you know That or the ability to pr- provide graphics to support your ideas online. And, and like I said, you don't have to have that experience yourself. You could hire someone to do those things for you or learn those things on your own. Now, of course, don't let not knowing those things or being able to do those things stop you because content is of course something that, that you could provide right now and you should be providing right now. And you could later enhance those posts with images and pictures down the road if you wish, which I highly encourage. Now, number two, uh, another thing that architecture taught me was the value of, of hard work and getting started on projects now. Because if you wait, you're going to lose out. In architecture school, the assignments were very interesting for us students because unlike being assigned to read a chapter and do homework and and get tested on it, it was more like, okay, here's a project and there's some problem you have to solve with your building or or design and and you're going to be working on it. And in six weeks, in six weeks time, a group of architects around the area, working architects, real architects are going to come in to the studio and they usually call them the jury. And it's actually like you're being judged. And they come in and watch your presentation of what you've built, what your di- design solution is, and then review your work and comment on your models and drawings and that's that sort of thing. So you have six weeks to typically build a model, create plans, some elevations, which are like the side view drawings of your buildings and any sort of 3D fo- photorealistic renderings or anything else that you need to support your design. Six weeks with nothing really due in between and it was up to us to get the work done and you know i saw it time and time again because i basically i basically lived in architecture studio whenever i had you know uh my, my studio courses in where, where i was you know doing this thing you know these kinds of projects which was once uh, you know every other semester was this, this type of thing um you know i would basically live in studio i had a sleeping bag in there and a mini fridge because i was so focused on those projects but I'd see people not start their projects and not come into studio for weeks. And they wait until the third or fourth week to, eat, to even get started. And, and their work was never of the same quality as those people who would start immediately. And, and they would get bad reviews because of it. You know, almost, almost always. And I say almost always. Because there was always that one guy or that one girl in the class who who would just wait until the second to last week to get started. And somehow, miraculously, they would get everything done and get really good reviews from the jury, which would always just bother the rest of us who were in there most of the time uh, during those six weeks. And And the thing is, there will always be that one exception to the rule, that one outlier that just throws everything off, that captures everyone's attention. And other people see that and they think they can do the same thing too, which they can't online it takes a lot of hard work to find success and a lot of time but there are exceptions to the rule from time to time but they are exceptions remember that and they are what we hear about most of the time because that's what other people talk about and what happens is other people try to copy and 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 achieve the same results and as a result their work reflects the little time they actually spent on their stuff or they expect results right away and they don't get it and they wonder why why aren't i getting the same results as that other person well that person built a six-figure business in, a, in in a year. Why not me? Because the, the result isn't is uncommon, you know. And that's not to say we can't do uncommon things. It's just to say uncommon thin, things are uncommon because they are uncommon. And that's also to say we shouldn't give up, or we shouldn't think we are a failure if we don't do those uncommon things. Now, of course, it takes doing uncommon things. To make uncommon things happen, and what, what I mean by that is taking bold actions and 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 big taking you know bigger risks in order to get bigger rewards. That 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 definitely is a real thing, but comparing yourself to the outlier is not going to get you anywhere. That's the danger of the media and the, and 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 these blogs that share incredible incredible success stories that say they you know push button overnight success stories without actually talking about the real work that was put into things. I mean that's why I always talk about on the blog how much hard work is involved and 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 all of the successful ventures i've had took a lot of hard work a lot of time and for most companies that experience overnight success they aren't actually overnight once in a blue moon they are but don't let that be the benchmark strive for that but don't let it don't don't feel down if 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 you don't get there like those outliers and and don't feel like you're a failure so through all of this i've learned that it's always better to get started now and expect to put in a lot of hard work. Hard work that's done right does pay off. And, and speaking of that, because it's really important, and, and really the whole premise of my entire blog and podcast, it's, it's the Smart Passive Income blog or the Smart Passive Income podcast. It's not just make passive income or earn passive income. It's smart passive income, meaning to do it in a way that's, that's, that's calculated, that's purposeful and, 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 and efficient. So efficiency plays a huge role here, too, like in what kinds of types of work that you actually do. In architecture, even though we had six weeks per project, I knew that if I was more efficient, I would be able to, to, to squeeze eight weeks of time or 10 weeks of time into that six-week time period. That's why when, for example, this is just a random example, but you know, when, when building models, we used to, we, we used to use these things called exacto knives. They're, you may have seen them or heard of them before. They're sort of like pencils with a very sharp blade on the end, so you could be very precise with where you cut. And we'd use them to cut cardboard and chipboard and you know foam board and other materials for our models. Well, before the semester started, you know, after my first year, I purchased a thousand exacto blades before the semester started. A thousand. Like, I think it was like twenty packs of fifty exacto blades each on 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 eBay. Uh, Because the moment that one started to get dull, I would just throw it away, switch it out and continue to switch it out for a new one, a new completely sharp one that's never been used before and continue cutting. Too many times in the beginning, in my first time doing the studio, I'd overuse a blade, and the cuts wouldn't be clean, which means I would have to go and sand them down afterwards, or I could even potentially cut myself accidentally, which I've done before because of a dull blade, which takes time away from what I needed to be doing. That's just one of the many examples of how I was learning to become efficient and why it was important, and how important those small things that save a little bit of time now, how important those things are because that time does add up especially if you're doing something over and over and over again so how could you apply efficiency into your online business what small things can you improve on i've had i've talked about that before and i'll give you uh you know some some links in the show notes for some episodes on efficiency that i've done Now, this is is why I also kept my desk extremely clean and why I had the things I used the most right next to me for easy access and stored away things that I didn't need right away in places where they were easily accessible but out of my way. Again, just being completely efficient. And it's just something I've learned over time because I knew that if if I put in eight weeks of work or 10 weeks of work into that six weeks of time, I would have better results. So I'd have models that were much more detailed than everyone because I could spend more time on those than others because I made myself more efficient. Um, I had better reviews as a result. Not always. You know, sometimes my design ideas weren't perfect or... Way off, but at times you know I'd I'd have more output to share. I would do more things than other people, which at least in comparison, when people were thinking or the professors were looking from person to person and and, and how much work one person did versus another, I always had way much work than everyone else, and it was always really good quality too because I actually did spend time on it. And I actually learned over time that um, they started to love these little 3D renderings that I would do in Photoshop, and people started doing them also. But not everyone had the time to do them because I did take a lot of work. So actually, I worked on, I learned to do this, uh, I think it was my third time doing Studio, um, I worked on the 3D renderings first instead of last. Because even if I didn't finish everything, I had something that made it seem like I was much further ahead than I actually was. And it, and it worked out really well. Of course, I had to do it after I had the plans and the elevations and stuff, but um, then I would go into the 3D renderings instead of you know working on my model. Because I knew I could work on my model faster but I also wanted to get these three D renderings down, uh, you know, out of the way because I knew that they would impress the audience or the, the jury. You know, it's sort of like um, I don't know if you watch Chopped on Food Network. It's a show where they bring uh, you know four chefs in and they have a basket of random stuff and they have to create meals out of that. Anyway, for a while, the judges were loving any dessert, which was the last round. Last round was the the dessert round. The judges were loving any dessert that was made using the ice cream maker. So a lot of the contestants went in like, okay, you know, I made it to the dessert round. I'm going to use the ice cream maker because I know the judges are really impressed every time someone uses the ice cream machine. You know, whatever ingredients I get, I'm using the ice cream maker. And that's why for a while, if you followed that show, you would see every episode each week for a really long time, everyone was using the ice cream makers. Now, anyway, efficiency, starting things now, That that's the big lesson I learned in architecture then that I apply now with the projects that I do. I have to become incredibly efficient um, because I like to spend most of my time with my kids during the day. Um, so that that's why I want to become efficient. Also because I know I can get more stuff done, obviously. Now the third thing I want to talk about, going back to architecture, one thing I took with me from architecture school and corporate life that actually negatively affected my online business and, and life was this. With architecture, there can always be something else done to improve it. You know, the hardest thing about architecture was putting our pencils down when drawing you know, or, or, or stop gluing that last thing on there. You could always make your models better. Something could always be done better. Another rendering to support our design solution could be made. Our models could always be done with more detail. There was no real end. Like, okay, I'm done. Like, it's obvious. Look at this. I'm done. That is not the case in architecture ever. And the same hap- same thing happened in the corporate world. That's why architects spend 60 to 100 hours a week in the office because there can always be more done to improve the projects they're working on, to make the drawings look better and easier for the contractors to use. Something could be made more clear at all times. And we were always looking to improve our internal library of plans and drawings, things that there was never going to be an end to that. And so when I got laid off in 2008 and started my own business, I had the exact same mentality. I could always do more. I can always do more. There's always something next or something else I should do in my online business. And I know a lot of you experience this too. It's it's one of the negative aspects of starting your own stuff and not working for someone else and having time to go home and get away from the office where you're just away from all that stuff. There is always something more you can do. And if you're working from your home, it's just a few steps away to that computer. There's always another blog post to write, something else to split test, always a way to improve conversions, new stuff coming out all the time that we can use to do some really cool stuff, emails that are never ending. It's so tough. And if you're working by yourself, and you don't have a family, you can catch yourself working 100 to 120 hours a week just because you can. And if you do have a significant other or family, you can do what I did when I first got married. And I tell this story all the time because I know a lot of you do this too. And it's so, so dangerous. You can be having a conversation with someone, and you, you know you're sort of kind of there when you're talking to them. You know, you nod your head, but then in the back of your head, you're thinking about that email you have to answer, or 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 how your sales page is doing, or 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 you know maybe you're very young in your online business uh, venture, and and your ideas are just taking over every aspect of your life. It's so dangerous because like, you know, we do online business and, and build a passive income portfolio to have a life, but we find that it becomes our life, and it takes us over sometimes so dangerous and I actually dedicated an entire episode to this and how I was able to you know work towards solving this issue doing a number of different things which stemmed out of actually a very heated conversation with my wife about this whole ordeal because she caught me she knew I wasn't there when I was talking to her back in the day uh which I'm so happy she she called me out on anyway now now I'm on a schedule which is important. I have a, I have a physical space where I work and do work things only. And when, when I'm not in there, internally, I can get away from all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, I, I highly recommend you listen to that episode. It might be one of the most important episodes you will ever listen to if you haven't listened to it already. That's episode 47, Maintaining a Balanced Life, smartpassiveincome.com slash session 47. So I highly uh, recommend that you check that out. It could be one of the most important episodes you listen to. So yeah, I I appreciate my wife so much that she helped me learn that lesson that I want to tell you here because there are, are way more important things other than your online business that you need to focus on too. And so you have to create boundaries and create schedules in order to make that happen. Don't forget about them because yes, you can do more in your online business, but you have to put it down sometimes. You have to be able to understand that you're blessed because there are more things you can do, that you have the opportunity to work for yourself and you deserve a break. Not like you're falling behind, or you, or or uh, like you're never getting anything done because of, that there's no finish in, because there's no finish line. Your break is the finish line for the day or the week or whatever. And so so don't forget about those other important things in your life. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your body. I mean, it should be your body. You should always take care of your body. That and that in and of itself will help you become more efficient uh, at things. Um, maybe it's just to look up every once in a while. And enjoy life around you and where you're at. I mean, so many people I know who have these amazing passive income portfolios and, and, and they're big travelers. You know, they travel to these exotic places, which is really cool. But when I ask them sometimes, like how they're enjoying the area, they say, oh, you know, I've just been working in, in, in my hotel room. I haven't really had time to look around. I'm like, are you serious? Like, dude, you got to enjoy life sometimes and be 100% outside of your business. But then you, when you're in your business, you got to be 100% in your business too. You know, you deserve that. And the people around you deserve that. And your business deserves that too. Okay, so moving on to thing number four that I learned from architecture that I apply now. And this is a big one for me. And I hope you realize how big this one is for you too. To set this one up, I want to ask you a question. And I really want you to think about what the answer to this question is. In the building that you're in right now, at this very moment, who designed it? Now, if you're not in a building right now, think about the last building you were in. Maybe you were at work or at the gym or in a cafe or whatever. Who designed that building that you were just in? My guess is you have absolutely no idea. And you probably never even thought about that until I just now asked you. But the thing is, like, those buildings, we spend most of our time in those buildings. They, they are there to protect us. They shelter us from the elements, it's where we live, it's where we eat, breathe, sleep, where we raise families, it's what we sometimes call home, yet we have no idea who designed that home or that building, and it's a very sad thing when you think about it. There are only a handful of architects out there with recognizable names, and even to the general public, most people wouldn't even be able to mention a famous architect. And I'm thinking of Frank Lloyd Wright, Frank Gehry, I am pay I mean I I wanted to be the next Frank Gary. and I was willing to put in the hard work to get there um, hard work to get that recognition that I knew I could one day get and deserved that probably a lot of other people deserve too it's just you know that's the nature of this this business and and, and when you're getting into it you're essentially at least to everyone else outside the industry a nobody I mean the work that the the, the work that you work on even if it does get recognized the work you do is always for someone else until you are that boss. Usually you're working for your boss or your higher-ups or the name of the firm, not necessarily you. And so when I was laid off and I created my online business helping people pass the lead exam, yes, the lead exam is nothing compared to putting up an actual building or putting up a Guggenheim by Frank Gehry or Falling Waters by Frank Lloyd Wright, but to the people who used my study material and passed the lead exam, I was their Frank Gehry. I was their Frank Lloyd Wright at that time. For all of you you listening, you know me. It's Pat. You know me as Pat Flynn. And when you share this podcast or the blog with others, it's Smart Passive Income by Pat Flynn. When I've met some of you at conferences, you shake my hand and tell me you love the show and you feel like you know me. And I just, I love that. I'm so incredibly blessed and grateful to get that recognition that that I was going to work 40 plus years to get. And it wasn't even guaranteed then. And with an online business, and especially a personal brand, you can directly affect people's lives in a way that you will absolutely be remembered. And I love that. That's why I collect thank you letters, like handwritten thank you letters. I have a whole box of them right here in my office because it's that gratitude that pushes me forward. And more importantly, confirms that whatever I'm doing actually matters here, and that it's, it's working to change other people's lives. And that was the coolest thing about this online business stuff. You can be recognized and thanked for the hard work that you put in. When you affect people's lives, yours directly will be affected in return. I just love that because I worked so hard as a drafter and it was always for somebody else. And even if those projects got built, which a lot of them did, I was six levels deep. And no, my name wouldn't matter to anybody. So, being able to start an online business of your own and, and, and affect somebody's life—that's awesome. So, take advantage of that, not for the recognition, but for the for the ability for you as 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 you to affect somebody's life. Now, another thing I learned um, was that you have to make things happen on your own. More specifically, if if you know you deserve to get paid more, then you need to do what it takes to make that happen. Now, this is a story I'm going to tell from before I started doing online business, before I got laid off, but it starts immediately after I passed the lead exam, which is the test I eventually turned into that study resource for people in architecture. Um, you know, Anyway, I was making $38,000 a year as a senior drafter, $38,000 a year. I put in so much hard work to get promoted from entry level drafter, which was about 30 to 30, uh, 30 to 32,000 per year, to senior level drafter a couple of years before that. And 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 then I passed this test. A test that not everyone else in the firm took, and I took specifically because I knew it was going to help my resume look better. And I took classes that I didn't need to take. I did a lot of jobs that were way beyond my job description. And I knew. I just knew I deserved more than $38,000 a year. So instead of waiting for my year-end review, this was March of 2008 when I passed this exam, instead of waiting till my year-end review in December or November or whatever, I approached my boss and basically laid it all on the line. I said, here's what my job description says. Here's a list of things I do above what's in my job description. It was literally like two pages long of things extra that I did. Here are the tests I took. These are my scores. Here are some people you can talk to that know I work my butt off to help this firm. Here's how many hours I work every week. I feel that I deserve a raise. And I said if I didn't get the raise that I know I deserve, I would leave and work somewhere else because I knew that there would be a ton of other firms out there in the area that would be more than happy to pay someone like me a higher salary. <laughs> this is crazy. I'm not typically the person to, to, to do this, but I had to do that. I just knew I deserved it. And when I did this, I mean, I had to go all in as they say in poker. I just had to. I had to. Not only because I knew if I was like, oh, um, you know, I, I work really hard and I, I think I deserve a raise. Uh, and that's not confident. That's not going to get me anywhere. I knew what I deserved and I fought for it. And if they said no, then that's not the place for me to work. And I had to accept that that was going to be a possibility when I sort of showed my cards here. And you know what happened? They said Yes. And it wouldn't have happened if I didn't ask and presented what I knew was right. So they actually said they would review my paperwork and talk to a few people and get back to me by the end of the week instead of the end of the year. And by the end of the week, I was called into the office, told I was getting, I was not only going to get a raise, but a promotion too from senior drafter to job captain. And I was so stoked. I was the youngest person in the firm to get promoted to job captain at this point. So stoked. So I went from $38,000 a year to nearly double that, $60,000 a year. More responsibilities, which I was happy about. And that's when I was on such a good streak and everything was going perfect that I decided to propose to my girlfriend. And she said yes too. Now, of course, a lot of you know how the story goes. You know, I get this raise. I propose. She says, yes, we start wedding planning. And then literally a few months later, you know, the economy in the U.S. goes down to toilet to keep me as long as possible and my job goes down the drain with everybody else which then became the reason why I got into online business in the first place and and the rest is history and of course if you'd like the full details of that story and how it all ha- how it all happened uh, you can pick up my book Let Go. Uh, you can find that on your favorite device at slash letgo And actually a cool side note uh, you know just recently I, I was emailed by a youth minister um, actually this past summer he, he emailed me and he, he read Let Go, my book and he decided to theme one of his adventure trips with his senior high students after my book so he had these t-shirts printed with the cover of my book on them and the theme of their little adventure event was called Let Go and he sent me a few p- pictures of this retreat and it was so awesome to see these kids smiling and wearing the t-shirts with the book cover on it, blue for the boys and pink for the girls so cool I mean, this is exactly what I'm talking about. This kind of impact. And I'm not just, you know, I, I, I'm just one person. And so are you. And you are just one person too. But when you work for yourself and you focus on providing value, you are one person that can make a difference. And it can take a rippling effect from you onto others. And then, like with these students, onto even more people who you wouldn't have ever reached before. If I had stayed an architect, it may have taken me years, like dozens of years to get to a point where I could have this kind of direct impact and be appreciated, which in turn motivates me even more to get back and and, and deliver even more. And to affect the young ones, especially, I mean, the high school kids in this in this example, and, and I know there are a number of kids out there who listen to the podcast, the youth professionals I've been able to help on exam, uh, academy.com, the kids out of high school who are now working in protection services thanks to security guard training, HQ, uh, hq.com, so forth. I mean, it's incredible. And I want to bring up something that happened uh, in, a, in a fairly recent interview with Andrew Warner from Mixergy.com. I know a lot of you know and listen to Andrew Warner probably the most amazing interviewer I know, and I get a lot of inspiration from him. Fantastic show. Again, Mixergy.com. I was invited onto his podcast. And he asked me a question, a really great question about doing what I do now versus creating something bigger. I think he mentioned like, you know, why not think bigger than what you do now? For example, spreadsheets. Everyone uses spreadsheets and it helps out the entire world. Why not try to create the next spreadsheet? What impact, Pat, Are you making with these small little niche projects? And my answer was I may not be changing the entire world, but I'm changing somebody's world. And as a result, I can be appreciated for that. I can cater to them and they can thank me back. I can get noticed for the things I provide and directly affect people's lives. Sure, in a small way. But, and I didn't say this in the interview, but I should have. I should have said, well, tell me. Who goes out of their way to send an email to the designer of Excel? Who even designed it? Sure, Microsoft, maybe whoever. I mean, but who at Microsoft? Where do I send my thank you letter to the person who designed Excel? What, what's that address where I can send my handwritten thank you note? I have no idea. But every time I go to my inbox, like once a week, I get at least one or two handwritten thank you notes from people. And I would much rather take that and affect people's lives this way. Because it does make a difference. You can make a difference, a big difference in somebody's life. And if you're too scared, or you don't think so, or you feel like you have to wait to get started, it's not you who's really hurting here. But those who could benefit from the experience, knowledge, and hard work and determination you have to offer to provide some sort of solution to somebody's problem or pain. And finally, I want to finish off with one more lesson I learned from my architecture background that I, uh, that I do now in my online business, and that's this. There are different levels of happiness. Like, if I wasn't laid off back in 2008, I probably would still be happy. Now, architecture was my everything for a while, and I landed my dream job out of college, and if I was still doing architecture, I'd still be happy. But I wouldn't know what it would be like to be this happy. I, I, wouldn't even an, I wouldn't even be able to fathom what it would be like. And so I'm, I'm so thankful for being laid off. And I don't, I don't say that to suggest that you should try to get laid off or quit your job. I say that because it's sort of, I guess you could say, it, it, it opened my eyes to what else was out there. And it tested me. It pushed me further than I would have pushed if I was uh, you know, interested in online business and I still had my job. It gave me an opportunity to use the skills I had and the drive in my hardworking nature for something else, and it turned out so much better, better than, better than I could have ever imagined. To think that I was on this path from the beginning to be an architect, and that that's all I was meant for—like, it's almost a little silly to think about, right? To 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 take that guess when we're little—that that path we're on is the absolute right path for us. Some people do that. Some people know exactly what they're supposed to be when they're so young and they do whatever it takes to do that and they crush it. It's like they were meant to do that from the beginning and they just somehow knew and it worked out for them and boom, they're just amazing at it. But to assume that the path that you set out on when you were little or in high school is the absolute right one for you, it's it's hard to think that that's always gonna be right. It's almost like we try, it's almost like what we do is we end up trying hard to make that path that we set for us right for ourselves instead of the other way around I mean we should at least explore what else is out there to see if something else was a better fit or maybe that path that was okay that we're that we like that we're on now maybe there's a better one and it took me getting laid off to see that what is it going to take for you to see that or explore or actually open your eyes to to, to to what's out there and hopefully this episode or my work does that for you or somebody else's work does that for you Instead of working hard to make what we're doing work for us, to make the path that we set on a long time ago to be right, how about exploring what our options are and seeing what's right from there? I'm, I'm so thankful for my layoff to allow me to discover those new things, and I hope this podcast my message here for you today will at least inspire you and open up your eyes and give you the drive to explore a little bit beyond what you think you were supposed to do. And remember, it's, it's, it's always going to be a little bit uncomfortable, even maybe a lot uncomfortable, but that's how you know. That's how you know it's going to rock and it means something. If it was comfortable, then it's not risky and and there's a certain degree of risk that needs to be taken. Take those risks. Be smart about it, of course. That's really important. Be smart about it. Get help. Get inspired by others and connect with other people doing the same thing. And most importantly, believe in yourself because if you don't think you can do something, you won't. You just won't. Whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. So with that said, I hope you enjoyed this pep talk. I hope my past experiences have inspired you and educated you in some way. Thank you all for the birthday wishes. I appreciate them so much. And if you wanted to leave me a quick little gift, uh, go on over to iTunes and leave me a review, an honest one. And I look forward to reading it. And I appreciate you so much. I'd love to hear your comments and, uh, again, the links Um, and resources mentioned in this episode um, and the ability to leave comments are at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 90. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. I'll see you in the next episode, episode 91. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com.